Our scripture reading this morning is from Ecclesiastes chapter 8. We read the first 13 verses. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, 1 through 13. And our text is verse 12 and 13. God's holy word. Who is like a wise man, and who knows the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom makes his face shine, and the sternness of his face is changed. I say, keep the king's commandment for the sake of your oath to God. Do not be hasty to go from his presence. Do not take your stand for an evil thing, for he does whatever pleases him. Where the word of a king is, there is power. And who may say to him, what are you doing? He who keeps his command will experience nothing harmful. And a wise man's heart discerns both time and judgment. Because for every matter, matter there is a time and judgment, though the misery of man increases greatly. For he does not know what will happen. So who can tell him when it will occur? No one has power over the spirit to retain the spirit, and no one has power in the day of death. There is no release from that war, and wickedness will not deliver those who are given to it. All this I have seen and applied my heart to every work that is done under the sun. There is a time in which one man rules over another to his own hurt. Then I saw the wicked buried who had come and gone from the place of holiness and they were forgotten in the city where they had so done. This also is vanity. Because the sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. Though a sinner does evil a hundred times, and his days are prolonged, yet surely I know that it will be well with those who fear God, who fear before him. But it will not be well with the wicked, nor will he prolong his days, which are as a shadow, because he does not fear before God. And then we also read from Psalm 34, verse 19. Psalm 34, verse 19. The words of David, the psalm writer. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Thus far from God's holy word. Dear congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, as we turn our hearts to the wisdom of God, as we find it in the book of Ecclesiastes, the book of Ecclesiastes we know that that wisdom will certainly serve us well. It will teach us the things that we need to know of our own ability and power by means of our own senses. We would never arrive at the truth. We'd be just like blind men leading the blind, and what good would that ever do to us? And such, of course, is the atheist who keeps spouting off all his wisdom and all his knowledge and never coming to the knowledge of the truth himself. That is how an atheist is described in 2 Timothy 3, verse 7. He's always learning, 
and he is never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. What a wretched existence to always learn, always study, and you never come to the knowledge of the truth. And how important that is for us today as we live in such an evil world, an evil age, where we see increasing knowledge and yet increasing ignorance and foolishness. We live in an age of increasing knowledge and yet an age of increasing darkness and immorality of every sort and increasing violence and increasing vanity where we literally see the nations rising up against nations and to what purpose, what does it accomplish and of wars and of rumors of wars but to what end, what is it all going to lead to. <clears throat> And so at the outset of the book of Ecclesiastes, we hear the preacher saying, Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. And that indeed is the case. If we would live life without the knowledge of God, everything would be of vanity, everything would be of no purpose whatsoever. And yet most people give so little thought to this particular truth, that all is vanity as they keep living for today, as they keep thinking everything is well with their souls, they give no thought to tomorrow. Who cares about tomorrow? As long as I get what I want, then life kind of makes sense to me. And so the wicked keep on living and saying all is well. The author of Ecclesiastes calls himself the preacher in chapter 1 verse 12. He, of course, was King Solomon, the king of Israel. And the preacher was indeed perplexed about all sorts of things. But one thing in particular that got him was the fact that the wicked always seemed to be flourishing and they never seemed to be getting the justice that they, were deserved, that they, sh that they should be deserved uh, of getting in this life. And yet he assures us all that it will not be well with them. Though they now be not punished as we would want or think or hope, yet it will not be well with them. And this is a very comforting truth that God gives to us. This is God's wisdom for us, for his people, as we see here in our text, verses 12 and 13. And hence we have our theme, it will not be well with the wicked, but only with those who fear the Lord. And we see this come to pass through our first point, though the wicked prosper and their days be prolonged, it will not be well with them. It simply won't be well with them as they prosper in their wickedness. Let's read our text at verse 12. Though a sinner does evil a hundred times and his days are prolonged, yet I surely know that it will be well with those who fear God, who fear before him. But it will not be well with the wicked, nor will he prolong his days, which are as a shadow, because he does not fear before God. Now it certainly doesn't always appear this way to us in life, but we must not judge by appearances, but by, but by what God tells us in his holy word. Notice how the preacher here describes the wicked as the sinner who does evil a hundred times and yet his days are prolonged. He willfully lives feeding his own lustful nature, his own sinful heart. He sins even a hundred times a day and it doesn't seem to matter to him one bit, all is well with the soul. He seems he's happy, he thinks his days are going to be prolonged. I'm living well, I'm living happily, I'm living a long life, I bear no ill effect from all the, all the ways in which I live. And, uh, 
and everything's fine with me. He says, uh, though a sinner does evil a hundred times, as if to say, though he does it continually, and his days are prolonged, it seems that way, he must think, well, everything is just fine with me, and yet the psalmist in verse 13 says it will not be well with him. That's God's wisdom. It appears that the wicked are well off. They happily live as they please. They reject God's moral law. The sky doesn't fall down upon them. And they think all is well with them. Congregation, do you believe God's word here, even though it might not seem so? Do you take God's word at face value exactly for what it says? We must because it is the wisdom of God. He indeed has a point to the day in which he will judge the wicked, and that is implied in the words which say, but it will not be well with the wicked. Reason being is because he does not fear God. In verse 13, he even speaks about him not being able to prolong his days, although in verse 12, it sounds like he can prolong his days. And he is described in verse 13 as but as a shadow. He just doesn't get it, does he? But why, we think, might it all be well with him as far as he is concerned, so that he keeps on in his evil ways? Well, we have the answer in part in verse 11 where we read, because the sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. They are secure in their evil ways. There's no judgment executed against them speedily at all. They think, all will be well with me. And they go on with their living, unpunished, feeling secure, and how wasn't it like that in the days of Noah when the Lord spoke to him? The Bible in 2 Peter 2 verse 5 calls Noah a preacher of righteousness. How the wicked people must have laughed at him at the words he spoke, calling them to repentance and speaking of God's judgment and laughing at him with his ark building work year after year after year after year. And happily, they went along living in their wickedness year after year after year. In Genesis 6, verse 11, God tells us that the world was then filled with violence and wickedness, and men just kept on living in their old, rebellious, sinful way against God. They felt secure. Noah's words were nonsense, and they could go on living indefinitely unpunished unpunished. But God's judgment did come, didn't it, after 120 years as he said it would, and that corresponded exactly with the time when Noah had finished building the ark and all flesh was destroyed by the flood waters that overcame the whole world. Congregation, as we look at that fact and see what we have recorded in verse 11 there about uh, evil work of people not being executed speedily in terms of their judgment. We, we ought not to in, interpret that in a negative way because it reveals here something of God's own heart, doesn't it? It reveals God's great long-suffering patience for sinful men, not even wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance 
And yet evil men think it must mean that all is well. Guess what? God is not holding me to account. God's judgment is not being executed against me speedily. I don't even believe there is a God to execute judgment in the first place. And so they keep right on living, doing evil, their hearts fully set upon evil. We read in verse 11. But we know, we know congregation, something of the mercies of God as well as being the backdrop to all of this. And God's good and gracious providence and his infant wisdom always at work, at play in every situation. And yet evildoers use that as a, an occasion to indulge in desperate acts of their wickedness, of their sin, of their violence, of their defiance of God, and of the rebellion against him. And they think, we're going to get away with this too. We are all witnessing what has been happening in the Ukraine the last two, three weeks already. Putin has invaded Ukraine, seeking to conquer and to destroy and to slaughter tens of thousands, if that's what it takes, to gain control of the Ukraine. As if to say, this is, this is, my, this is my call, I have the right to invade this country, I have the right to exercise my dominion over these people, I have the right to exercise Russian authority over the Ukrainian people, and um, all is well. As I rage, as I make war, as I do what I wish. And the sentence against Putin's evil's works are not being speedily executed. Verse 11. Putin thinking in his own heart with his military commanders as well, being fully, their hearts being fully set on doing evil. That's exactly what we see happening there. But it will not be well with them. God speaks of in his word. They too are but as a shadow, and their days will not be prolonged because they do not fear God. Or think of another example. Think of the thief who continues to steal. And every time he doesn't get caught and he thinks, my days will be prolonged, I can keep on with my sinful habits, I, uh, I am not being punished. And uh, the Bible tells us it will not be well with the wicked, nor will he prolong his days, which are but as a shadow, because he does not fear before God. What about the average unbeliever who's a nice guy, a nice lady, a nice person, and they keep refusing to worship God? They think life is just great without God. I've got no problems. It will not be well with them either. Or the wicked who prosper and their days are prolonged, it seems, verse 12, and his days are prolonged, and yet we see in the very next verse, verse 13, nor will he prolong his days. There's no contradiction here, but there's two points being made here, aren't there? He will not prolong his days, which are as a shadow, because he does not fear before God. He thinks everything will just be a-okay. The wicked think they can put off the day of death, they can prolong their days without repenting. They think all will be well. 
But guess what? They can't put off the day of their death. Look at what verse 8 teaches us. No one has power over the spirit to retain the spirit. No one has power in the day of death. There's no release from that war, and wickedness will not deliver those who are given to it. You see, a wicked man's wickedness will never be able to deliver him from it. He will never be able to deliver himself from the day of his death, the day of his destruction, because God has appointed a day for him. Even though you might think I have power over my own spirit to keep my own spirit in my body and to keep myself from dying before it's time, yet he is deceived by his own rebellious heart. He's like a fool who perishes in the way. His wickedness will not be able to deliver him from it. We read in verse 8. And so Solomon writes in verse 10, another example of how the wicked think they can get away with their wickedness and not be punished. Verse 10, Then I saw the wicked buried, who had come and gone from the place of holiness, and they were forgotten in the city where they had so done. This also is vanity. Here we have another example of wicked people. They even give a show of religion. They are the ones who come and go from the holy place, Solomon says. That is to say, they come and go from God's temple. But they too die, and they also are buried, and they are forgotten in the city where they live their hypocritical lives. And so we see, congregation, that men's works do not always really, aren't really what they really appear to be. They might be very religious, but it's only a good impression they want to leave, and that's it. That's all that's described them. Soon they perish, and soon they are buried, and soon they are forgotten. And Solomon says, this also is vanity. They had the best in life. They had a, a most uh, distinguished burial. They had a casket that was worth $20,000 that their bodies were put into. Buried with honor, yet they were forgotten. For the wicked, this is as good as it gets. But it is not well with them. Their life was still a horrible waste, wasn't it? They were but a shadow. They did not prolong their days. It was also useless. In a word, it was vanity. You ask, what was the point of their self-indulgent and godless living? Our text says in verse 13, but it will not be well with the wicked, nor will he prolong his days which are as a shadow because he does not fear before God. Brothers and sisters, how is it with your soul? How is your living going before the face of God? Are you fearing God? as you live before his face every single day. Secondly, though the righteous suffer many afflictions, it will be well with them. Trusting in God and in his salvation provided by the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, our lives will be much more than simply a show 
much more than a shadow. And though your life might not be prolonged all that long, yet it will be well with you. And what a thing that is. Though you might only live to be 25 years old, yet if you have feared the Lord, it will be well with you. Notice what the preacher writes in verse 12. Though a sinner does evil a hundred times and his days are prolonged, yet surely I know, he says, I know that it will be well with those who fear God, who fear before him. He knows it absolutely. He's got something to write about. He's got something to preach. It will be well with those who fear the Lord. Here is the expression of his faith. A faith that rests upon the promises of God given in his word. He knows the promises of God will be yes and amen in the coming son of David the Messiah. He knows that one day will come that great Messiah whom we know to be the Lord Jesus Christ. And even though right now it might not seem like it's very well with us looking at appearances, an unbeliever might look at you and say, you know what, I got it better than you, I'm healthier than you, I'm richer than you, I got no problems, and you're loaded down with problems. And you've got serious illness. It's not well with you. But we know it is well with us because we fear the Lord. And he does not. The psalmist says it plainly as well in Psalm 34, 19. He says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. That's the truth, isn't it? Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord will deliver him from all of them. We suffer disease too like the wicked. We also suffer death just as unbelievers do, but it is well with us, not with them. We have no more power to keep our spirit within our bodies than the wicked people do, but yet it will be well with us. Why? Because we fear God. Why? Because by faith in Christ we know ourselves to be righteous in His sight. And... Uh, we too know that one day we're going to be buried. We too know one day we're probably going to be forgotten too. And yet we fear God. We fear before Him. As we read at the end of verse 12, that makes a tremendous difference, congregation. What does it mean when Solomon says, it will be well with those who fear God, who fear before him? Well, your life of faith is a testimony of your faith, of your righteousness in Jesus Christ, that is constantly on display before God. And the wicked may see it and can't figure you out, but that doesn't matter in effect, because you know what the Lord has given you. Your righteousness, you know, is a gift of God. And you demonstrate that continually by your trusting in the Lord and fully not setting your heart to do evil, but fully setting your heart to do that which is good and right and conforms to your faith. Why? Because you fear God. What a difference that makes in your life. That you repent of your sins every day, congregation, and confess your sins before God, that is fearing God. That's fearing God. That you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as the only sacrifice to atone for your sins, that is fearing God. That you diligently seek to keep God's commandments as a token of your gratitude to Him, that is fearing God. 
that you know that you're not saved by your works at all, but only by trusting in Christ entirely, that is fearing God. You see what a difference it makes to be one who's described as one who is fearing God and one who doesn't. There's all the difference in the world. The instructor here comforts us saying in verse 12, though the sinner does evil and a hundred times and his days are prolonged, yet I surely know that it will be well with those who fear God, whose fear is before him. Though you suffer afflictions of body, though you suffer afflictions of your mind, though you might be wasting away of disease, <clears throat> yet you have no quarrel with God because you understand his good providence because you fear God. That makes all the difference in the world. <clears throat> you keep on trusting God. <clears throat> you keep on praying in all occasions. You keep on confessing his goodness because you fear God. And so you know it will be well with your soul. Oh, the Bible's true congregation, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. When we, di when we die, when that happens too, of course, congregation, we know it's something we, we have to deal with, but our death is not the end of all things, but it is the beginning of eternal happiness and blessedness with God in Jesus Christ. Though you may be forgotten on the earth, you will not be forgotten in heaven, for you have feared God. Solomon writes, Yet I surely know that it will be well with those who fear God, who fear before him. Though you are persecuted for your faith and you lose all your possessions, count it all joy that you've suffered for the Lord Jesus Christ. I know it will be well with your soul because you have feared God. Your life is not a vanity when you fear God. You do not merely put on a show as you live because you fear God. You are far more than a passing shadow because you fear God. You indeed are a covenant child. What a difference between, between being a shadow that soon dissipates and is no more, the wicked, and one who is a covenant child, whose days indeed will be prolonged, who is safe, at, safe and, and, and at home with God. As a covenant child, you've been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ, congregation. And by that faith in Christ, you've been sanctified by the Spirit of our God as well for eternal life and for eternal glory with your Maker, with your Savior. It will be well with your soul because you have feared God. And your days will be prolonged. How long? Forever. Forever. For Christ indeed will deliver you from all life's trials, all life's misery, even life's death. And so may the God of all peace comfort you, brothers and sisters, as you fear God. And the God of all grace uphold you as you fear God. And may his favor rest upon you because you fear God. 
And may you be blessed by the wisdom of his word because you fear God. And may your hope be in the Lord God who made heaven and earth. And that be your joy forever. Because you fear God. Amen.